Well, hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Crossroads Conversation. Today, we'll continue our Philippians series, and I'm here with Morgan Peak. And uh, Morgan, how's it going? It's going good. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be, man, Philippians 2. We're going to keep going in, in our Philippians series. Last week, we talked about being persecuted. Mm-hmm. And um, personally, it was con- a convicting uh, conversation just because I'm like, man, I wonder if I'm living out my faith like I should. Right. So coming out of that passage, Paul, the writer here, and remember he's in prison. He's writing from a Roman prison, and he's writing to the church in Philippi, and he's encouraging them to be unified. Mm. So he says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours... In Christ Jesus, that's good, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. That might be the best verse in all of the Bible. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right next to Romans 8. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um. That's good. All right, so I wanted to open up with a question that was recently asked of me that's um, kind of thought-provoking that has to do with this. Um, Is it wrong to care for your own needs? What do you Mm. think? Uh, No. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think that you have to care for yourself to to be able to take care of others. I think that taking care, you don't neglect yourself. Um, But, you know, according to the scripture, analyzing where you view yourself amongst other people in a room full of people, where do you stand, you know, in your brain? Are you the power? Are you the, the lowly servant? You know, which one are you when you're standing there with other people? I think it's a balance. Um, but, you know, even Jesus retreated when he was exhausted. He retreated to be with the Lord. And that was him taking care of his human needs to to be with the Lord. Mm, so good. I think we have to acknowledge that in ourselves, that we can get to a point where we need to retreat. And if we're taking care of ourselves by being with the Lord, which is really the only way to fulfill your needs, mm. then you can serve others and you can you can do those things. Yeah. 
that's a good perspective. And I think it's implied that most of the time people will take care of themselves. Sometimes people don't take care of themselves. Do you think that's the exception? Or mm. do you think, I don't know. I, 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 everyone's different. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I think, you know, so the season of life I'm in, motherhood, right? Three young kiddos, four, three, and 10 months old. There are days where I look up and I'm like, oh, I didn't eat today. I forgot about myself. Oh, I, uh, yeah, I did not take care of Morgan today, you know, um, or where I'm just lazy and I sleep in and I don't have that time in the morning before the kids are awake to read my Bible and, and do that. Then I realized like I did not take care of me. Like I did not sit with the Lord today and take care of my spiritual needs. And then it's really hard for me to take care of theirs. Mm, yeah. Um, so I take care of Maria every Friday while Caitlin goes to work and, um, I am so busy caring for her and I'm not in the room. I do it once a week. So it's not totally my routine. I'm so focused on caring for her that like a lot of times I'll be, I'll put her down for her after nap and I'll be like, Oh gosh, I haven't even eaten any food today. Yeah. (laughs) And I'll just eat like (laughs) snack bars all day. Yeah. Just whatever you can grab. (laughs) Yeah. But most of my default, um, is to take care of myself and I forget to take care of other people. Mm. Now my wife, Caitlin, she is sort of the opposite and it's mm-hmm. kind of, she doesn't understand me and I don't understand her. Like she's, she's like, I remember when we first got married, she used to be like, gosh, he's so selfish. Mm. Like he just takes care of himself. And, and I, well, the truth is I, I, I can be selfish, but she's on the other end of the spectrum where it's, she is so focused on caring for me and our family that like you mentioned, like she'll sometimes neglect taking care of her as far as like, Hey, you know, it's not that she doesn't take a bath or something like that. It's, right, but right. she, she'll just literally totally forget about it herself yeah. in serving. And I, I think, honestly, I think she's closer to Jesus in that way than I am. But yeah, I think, I think agreed. Yes, both. We need to take care of ourselves. Right. And I think the scripture is, is saying in verse four, look not only to your own interest, Mm-hmm. but also to the interests of others. So like, yes, you don't feel bad. That's one of the things Caitlin and I talk about sometimes. She'll tell me that she will that she feels, sometimes she'll feel bad for like asking me for her needs. Yeah. And I'll be like, well, no, don't, don't feel bad. Like, cause I'm on the other end, end and I don't feel bad at all for communicating. It's just a natural, cause there's some, there's some personality bent in there. For sure. But He's saying, yes, your own interests are important. So, hey, you can be assured that your interests, they're important. Mm-hmm. The things you want in life, they're they are important. God mm-hmm. is not saying um, to ignore the things that you need mm-hmm. and just don't take care of yourself. Those things are important. He's saying also look out for the interests of others. And I think verse three is, I use the word revolutionary, but it's just life changing. I mean, for me, he like, oh, just reading this, it's so convicting. He says, verse three, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. That count others more significant than yourselves thing is like, yeah. Whoa. So like, yeah. we, I mean, 
when I walk into a room, if I'm with other people, um, I am convicted that my natural tendency is not to see other people mm. as greater than myself. And I'm convicted about that. And the scripture, that's what the scripture does. And I hope we're all convicted by it. But what the scripture says is to, it says, count others more significant than yourselves. I mean, gosh, right. that's good. Yeah, it is good. I think it's super interesting in verse four, how uh, it doesn't say, let each of you look not only to his own needs, it specifically says interests, and I think that's interesting. It's not just talking about your food, water, sleep, you know. It's talking about your your interest, but then in verse 3, it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. And so it's it's not necessarily the actions. It's always the heart behind the actions, yeah, you know. So, you know, as a, as a mom, it's, you know, like I said earlier, I'm seeking these these things so that I can care for my family better or so that I can do this better. It's not a, you know, well, I deserve this, this, and this, you know, and, and the heart behind it, I think is what is so important. And we have to keep each other accountable for that um, and keep ourselves accountable, you know, for that too, that why are we seeking this thing? You know, why are we chasing after this dream or chasing after this, uh, promotion or this next job or whatever it is, why are we seeking that? Are we seeking it so that we can have more influence to the glory of God? Or are we seeking it so that we look better? Or, you know, what are, why are you seeking that? Do you feel God leading you to that? Or do you feel like maybe staying where you are is better and, you know, that you can serve people better where you are? So yeah, the heart of it. Yeah. Well, the Christmas season, which we're in now Mm. is... (laughs) Caitlin always makes fun of me because she's like, you don't want to purchase very many things like all year. And then the Christmas season comes around and you just want to buy everything. (laughs) And I'm like, wait till Christmas. (laughs) And so I don't know. It's something about the Christmas season. You're getting gifts and we're more aware of things Mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I've been noticing in myself, like I bought some smart lights for my living room lamps so that they can be dim at early in the morning and dim late at night. And I'm like, like, I'm just feeling myself. I'm like, well, I want to, I want this thing. I want this Ugg hat. Caitlin has had this, this Ugg beanie. They call it in Canada toque. Yeah. T-O-Q-U-E. And hers is Ugg, the Ugg brand. And it's just totally warm. Yeah. And I texted her last night because she was in the Rock and Marie and Tech Nerds. I was like, I want one of these for Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember like being like, there's this moment where I'm like, I am so self, like, I'm so focused. And again, that's my own interest. And it's mm-hmm. not wrong that I want an Ugg hat. Right. But I was but I was convicted because I had, you know, yesterday I was studying this passage, getting ready for this podcast. And I'm like, dude, like, what if, like, all, I'm just, it's the weight for me and my, my tendencies are to be way weighted on my own interest mm-hmm. and my own needs instead of being weighted towards what does my wife or baby need what do the people around me need? My friends, coworkers, um, ministry partners, church members. What do all these other people need? Mm-hmm. And so that I'm just greatly encouraged and convicted by that. Yeah. And the we all know what relational disharmony looks like. We all have. I mean, I say we all. I'm assuming everyone listening to this 
has had relational dis. I'm assuming everyone in this listening to this podcast right now currently is facing some type of relational disharmony. Whether you had a argument with your wife or right. kid yesterday, or whether you have a family member who you're not getting along with, or whether you're having strife at work, or there's a church member who you're at odds with right now, or you're mad. It's this world is so full mm-hmm. of relational disharmony. Jesus prayed in John 17, Lord, Father, I pray that they would be unified. He prayed that for us. He could have prayed so many things, and he prayed that that we would be unified. He didn't even pray that, I pray you'd make them great preachers. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he he prayed that we'd be unified Mm. because he knew how hard it would be for us to be unified. Yeah. And that's what the text is saying right here. It's he's encouraged them, guys. Be of the same mind, verse two. Have the same love. Be of the be of one accord. Don't do anything from selfish ambition. Try to think of the most. I don't know who the most humble person is. You know, hmm. but okay, I got one person in my mind. I have a friend. Um, I have a friend named Dan. The dude is humble. He is meek. He's gentle. Like, you can't get mad at Dan. I mean, you just can't. Like, yeah. he's so he's sweet. He's kind. Um, and that's what it, it's he's saying. Like, when you, when you humble yourself before God and before people, and you're not acting with arrogance and pride and selfish ambitions, it's a really good way to promote unity in the church. Yeah. How can you possibly be mad at someone who is considering you better than them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's kind of hard to. Yeah. So. All right. How about the idea of um, humility? Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's, and pride. Let's, let's define those. Okay, so. Okay. I think that, and and we'll get to in the in the second section of this text, the example of humility is Jesus, right? But humility is uh, viewing yourself like you sh- in your proper light, mm-hmm. like viewing yourself for who you really are. Um, the only person that deserves to be worshipped um, and glorified is God. Jesus is the only person who deserves glory. Right. And he humbled himself. And pride, on the other hand, which, by the way, is extremely sneaky. Yeah, it is. And everybody can see it except for the one who's prideful. Mm. And we all struggle with pride. Yeah. But you are, in essence, elevating yourself higher than you ought to be. Right. So you're thinking you're greater than you ought to be. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, so it's saying, don't do that. Be humble. Yeah. Um, the enemy, Satan, wants to tempt us with pride. Mm. In the very beginning, uh, he tempted Adam and Eve with pride. Um to make their own decisions rather than being obedient to God. 
and he did that to Jesus. He tempted Jesus in the in the wilderness with pride. Um, I'll give you all of these kingdoms of the earth. Right. Whether or not he could have done that, I don't know. But he tempted him with pride, and he tempts us with pride as as well. Um. So let's go to the next section here where it talks about the nature of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it says, verse 5, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. By the way, I want to stop there. The, it's, it's possible. I'm not saying it's possible to be perfect, yeah. but it's possible to have a humble mindset and heart. Yeah. Um, this mind is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, talking about Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but Mm -hmm. emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And, yeah, but just to meditate on that for a, for a moment, the only one in history who was worthy of being prideful. Yeah, <laughs> or, right, right. Not, that's not the right word, but the only human in history who was worthy of glory. Right. He emptied himself of it. Mm. Yet, we tend to think that we deserve glory or status or, you know, whatever it may be. People to, you know, elevated status, I mean, is is essentially what it is. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, you think about people who maybe have reached the the pinnacle of whatever they're searching for. So just corporately, for instance, or monetarily or whatever it is, whatever achievement you think you've reached in life, you put yourself in that position where you've reached it. You've gotten there. And you start getting proud of yourself. Yeah. But then are you willing to lay it all down and go all the way back to, to, you know, ground level of working. And so, you know, we get so prideful and, and that's what Jesus did. I mean, it says he, was in the form of God, in heaven, with God, but he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But instead, he wanted to come here and, you know, become a baby. I mean, the, completely helpless, you know, and just to to go from such great glory to just such meekness is just a beautiful story of just how he was willing to lay it all down. Mm. He had everything. Like you said, the only one worthy of worship and instead came to such a, and didn't choose to be born into a kingdom, didn't choose to be born into a family of rulers and rule. No, Mm. he came to just serve, to, to serve us, to show us what it was like to serve others, to be an example, the perfect example to us. It's just a beautiful, a beautiful depiction of of his humility and and what we should. So convicting. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Something that comes to my mind, and this is jumping back just a little bit, but um, so you think of a humble servant, and you know, 
this year I read a book called Becoming Elizabeth Elliot, and it was a little mm-hmm. bit about her, uh, bef- her bringing up and her life and just kind of some, some of her life from her side of the story. And you think that like someone who is serving literally in a jungle with mm. tribal people, you think that they are like, that's it. Like that's the pinnacle of, of humbleness, right? <laughs> like, I mean, if you want to humble yourself as much as you can on earth, that's it. But even reading her story, she still saw herself as selfish and she still yeah. saw herself as, you know, prideful in areas. And in journals, she would just write, like, uh. I'm just trying to be more like Christ. And, you yeah. know, it just, so in our in our depiction, in our society, like, that's it. Like, she's the most humble. That's the, that's the best you can do is give your life to missions in another country, you know? Yeah. But even then, she was still so convicted that she was prideful and that she was selfish, and that she had selfish ambition. And so it's just, it's something that we will never achieve because we're sinful people, but you, it's just something you always strive for, and you should always be becoming more and more like Christ, more and more humble, more and more selfless every day of our life, you know, just Mm -hmm. becoming more and more aware of, yeah. our place before before the cross. And if you're convicted, that means you're a child of God. Right, right. And that's how, like, the reason I know I'm saved, and the Bible encourages us to make sure we're saved. Right. So the, the reason I know that I'm a child of God, mm-hmm. among other things, is because He constantly convicts me of sin. Right. I mean, if you read this passage right here and you think, I don't know. I don't hear anything. I don't, I don't, I'm humble. Yeah. Hey, you better check yourself. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I mean, this is just hitting me hard. I mean, I'm sure it's hitting you. I'm sure it hits all of us hard, but pride is a, is an area that I'm constantly asking God to, to rid me of because it's a temptation of mine. It's a, it is a natural thing for me to be, to be bent in that direction. So God just constantly, constantly is working on me in this area of pride um, and learning to be servant hearted. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to talk about too, the fact that it mentions that Jesus was fully God and fully man. Um, verse six, Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself. All right, so mm. now this is hard for our human brains, that which are finite, to comprehend. How could Jesus be fully God and fully man? A lot of times either we'll think of him either one way or the other, mm-hmm. but... Even though we don't understand it, we have to accept it by faith and know that while he was walking on earth, and um, what Jesus is, he is fully man mm-hmm. and fully God. Mm-hmm. It's important for us to understand that. Um, the book of Hebrews, which we were talking through on Sunday, explains that Jesus can sympathize with our weaknesses because he himself suffered. Mm-hmm. He was tempted he 
he died. He was he was he lived a lowly life, um, like you just mentioned, being born in a manger. And it's 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 important that we don't discredit the sufferings that he suffered. Right. Like oh, because I mean, we can think oh well, of course he was Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. But he had to learn just like we have to learn because it mm-hmm. says he laid aside. Um, it says he did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself. Right. Okay, so he emptied his God nature. He mm-hmm. was still God. He's still Jesus, but he laid it down. Mm-hmm. He laid down his glory. He laid down, and he was limited like we are. He was finite while he was on earth. Right. Um, the word says that he grew in, in knowledge and, and in stature, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus had to learn the word. He didn't just automatically know it just because he was God. He was limited. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to understand. That is that is an interesting thought. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying, but he knows. Like, it's comforting because he knows what we're going through. And Romans 8 said he's praying for us. Yeah. He knows what it's like to be persecuted. He knows right. what it's like to be hated, even though he he had never done anything wrong. Can you right. imagine? Right. I mean, being bullied, but you had never, you're just sweet and tender. Like, we get, like, hard-hearted because we're trying to protect ourselves. Talk but about Jesus, being misunderstood. He never got hard-hearted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so he was fully God and fully man. It's important that we understand that. And uh, he... he you know, he, he, he suffered as, as a man. Mm-hmm. The temptations that he faced were real. When, yeah. he, when he fasted in the wilderness for 40 days, right. he was actually hungry. Right. And when Satan tempted him, just like you or I know what temptation feels like, he was tempted. Right. Um, and... Jesus was completely obedient right to the Father. Yeah, I mean, we see that especially right before he goes to the cross where he says, you know, if there's any other way, let it be. Yeah, his <laughs> you know? humanity right there. Yeah, and so right. you see that's yeah. I think that's a beautiful picture of his humanity and he says, you know, this is not this was not his first choice. And he, and at that time, and I think that comes from a love of his disciples. You know, he, he loved them. He didn't want to leave them. He did not, you know, but he said, if there's any, any other way, God, let it be. But if it's your will, I'll do it. And so that, I think that's a really beautiful uh, picture of, of seeing his humanity. And seeing the fact that he didn't know everything. Yeah. He knew he knew what God was telling him to do mm-hmm. in the moment, mm-hmm. but he laid down his God nature as far as his om, om, omniscience or om, the his all knowingness. Mm-hmm. He laid it down. He didn't know. He knew he was going to be obedient to the Father, mm-hmm. but he didn't know everything. And he knew his mission was to die. But he that's the thing is he was still a human. It's hard. It's like literally. It makes your mind kind of explode. But yeah, it does. <laughs> it's Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Now, it says here, we know that Jesus died. It says that he became obedient, even to the point of death, even death 
on a cross. Mm-hmm. All right. I had someone ask me this years ago, and I love to bring it up. It's such a great question for us to wrap our minds around. Why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to die? Why couldn't God just say, I forgive you? Mm. Why couldn't he just, why could God not have forgiven sin? Why did Jesus have to die? That is an important question for us to wrestle with. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts that you want to share on that? Uh, it's, it's a big, that is a big question. Um, I think that we, we hear a lot, um, to satisfy God and, you know, for the ultimate sacrifice for, for us, but breaking it down further, you know, what does that mean? What, what do we mean when we say that? You know, sometimes it's easy to just say answers without really diving into exactly what, what that means. So. Yeah, and you just mentioned he, Jesus himself was like, Father, if there's any other way. Right. And I heard another guy years ago explain, why was Jesus afraid? Why was Jesus afraid of the cross? Was it... Obviously, he was afraid of the physical torture. It was... they. They created the the Romans created the cross to be as excruciating of a death as possible. Right. Um they were just honestly they were it was a brutal civilization. <laughs> um and they created it to be as bad as possible. But this this preacher uh named Paul Washer is I heard it a long time ago, 10 years ago or so or um I remember that was the first time I had heard that. Why? What was Jesus afraid of? I mean, there's been other martyrs who went to their deaths singing God's praise that they were counted worthy to suffer. And Jesus was afraid. What was he so afraid of? Well, Jesus, he, he explained, and I, I believe this is true, that Jesus was, yes, he was afraid of the cross, the physical torment, he, torture he was about to go through. Of course. But he sweat drops of blood and anguish, and he was afraid, and he was begging the Father because Jesus didn't want to face God's wrath. And we we were discussing before the show how weird it is, mm-hmm. and it's just it's kind of, it's just a question we need to grapple with. It's hard to understand, but Jesus Jesus faced God's wrath. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus, the New Testament teaches us that Jesus took the punishment that all of humanity deserves and bore it on himself. Mm-hmm. Morgan, you brought up a passage mm-hmm. out of 1 Peter that right. I wanted to read. It says, 1 Peter 2, 24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree <laughs> that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how many people there have been in the world, in history. I mean, how many people, like, like, like 
500 billion people. Like how many people have li- lived in the existence of like human history? Jesus somehow bore every single sin on his body um, in that moment. Did you have another verse you wanted to read? Yeah, Galatians 3. Uh, it's kind of just the whole section, but 10. I'll just read the whole section. It's 10 through 14. Uh, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. The law, this is Morgan speaking here, the law is, is unsatisfiable. We, As humans, we could not satisfy the law. We couldn't do it. We could not uphold that. And so back to verse 11, it says, Clearly, no one relies on the, no one who relies on the law is justified before God. We are not justified because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, The person who does these things will live by them. And then verse 13 is where Christ comes in. And it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Cursed is anyone, everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So Christ, in all his glory, in all his godliness, became a curse for us. That's crazy. So that we didn't have to endure it. Yeah. Um, in our our culture, I think that sin is downplayed. Mm, yeah. I think all right, it's it's the lie of the enemy again to downplay sin. Go back to the Garden of Eden. Satan said, eh, "Did God really say it's not that big of a deal if you right. don't eat that tree? It's, ah, it's not that big of a deal." Mm-hmm. And I think the same narrative is true. The liar, the deceiver, wants mm-hmm. us to believe that our sin is not a big deal, and that's the reason we're prideful. Right. That's the reason we don't repent. That's the reason we have a hard time understanding the nature of what Christ had to do. Mm-hmm. Is because we simply don't understand sin. Right. We don't understand the depravity of sin. We don't understand the offense of sin against a holy God the Holy God, and therefore we don't understand. Yeah, we just have a hard time understanding sin. But the reality is that God views sin as really, really bad. Yeah. Disobedience from Him, unholiness, uh, it, it is, from God's perspective... It's horrible. Because he wants communion with us and he yeah. can't commune with us in that in when we're in our sin, you know? And so he wants he wants to be with us, he wants to mm-hmm. have communion with us, but without the sacrifice of Jesus, he can't have that eternal communion with us. And it's hard truth, but guys, when we come to the word of God, we have to we have to lay ourselves down, mm-hmm. come to the Word and let it transform us. Let mm-hmm. God transform us. There's things we don't understand, we don't fully grasp. We're finite. We don't understand the thing. We don't understand all these things. We give us as Word. Christ came to reveal uh, God's will to us. 
And the reality is sin is terrible. Sin separates us from God, and the price for sin is death. And the reality is Jesus died on our behalf so that we don't have to, so that we can live um, with God and be holy. So as we continue to grow in our journey, we'll continue to grow in humility, continue to grow in our view of sin. And hey, we need to re- realize how horrible sin is so we can run away from it. So guys, when you're, when you're, when you're tempted, and you will be tempted, uh, when sin, uh, the temptation of sin enters your mind, you can, you always have a way out mm-hmm. is what the word says. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was your, our example by being obedient to the father. And, um, Morgan, thank you for the conversation today. This was fantastic. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'll have to do it again. Yes. And just such a awesome text, convicting, yeah. mm-hmm. just, just really, really great. As always, it is our desire to encourage you and equip you in your faith journey with Jesus. And uh, we pray you have a great week, and we'll see you again next time. God bless you. Thanks, Richard.